The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood and a beautiful day for a His Girl Friday podcast. How's it going, everyone? This is Cameron Fry. It's 6 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Hope you guys are having a great week. I'm pretty excited right now. I'm not going to lie to you. Pretty pumped. Any moment now, I'm going to become an uncle. My youngest sister, 26, living up in New York. Uh, she is in labor, and my parents flew up, and they'll be back this weekend. We we all had plans, uh, different plans, attending different church functions tonight. Of course, we all have to punt those. Uh, so I got the next couple hours free. Um, I'm anxiously awaiting the news. But till then, we got some content to discuss. So if in case you're tuning in, uh, before I recap where we've been the last couple months, I want to kind of refresh, do a reset on what Hiscofry is about. We're more than a website. We're even more than a resource. We're a mouthpiece. We're a message in motion. At least that's the, the heart. That's how I would describe His Go Friday right now. We are equipping the saints for ministry in the marketplace to discover their unique set of gifts, to discover what that looks like, how to apply it within their arenas of expertise and influence. We're also hoping to broaden our tent pegs and reach those who are seeking the Lord, those who are maybe knocking, that they're looking to find the answer to to life. They're, they're looking for God. And how do we bridge that divide as co-workers, not just in Christ, but just co-workers uh, bonded by similar callings, uh, common purposes? You know, this is, this is more than just a church resource. We're looking to equip all vocationals and bivocationals, how, whatever vocational identity you uh, align yourself with, um, or associate with, I should say. So lately, we've been talking about what work looks like according to the Word, and we're breaking this up into different parts. Uh, for instance, uh, June and July, we talked about work as worship. What does the Bible have to say about that? Uh, July and August talked about work as freedom. What does the Bible have to say about that? And we're mostly camping on Paul's letters, bouncing around Second uh, Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, etc., um, uh, addressing some of these key topics. And uh, for September, I have started a new segment in the series called Work as New Creation. So Galatians 6, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Sorry, Galatians 6, 15. Only two passages that directly talk about our identity as a new creation. And while we are not what we do, we are who God has created us to be, there's still a relationship between our created identity as loved by God and what God has called us to, the assignments he has put in our lives, established for us for such a time as this. There are a couple key words I want to unpack tonight that would describe how work is to look like as new creation, which I know sounds like a loaded topic. I don't think it's been talked a lot before. But yeah, basically, uh, to start out, just kind of give you the tools that you'll need tonight to follow along, we're going to be camping out in Galatians 6. Our supportive references, the filter by which we'll 
discuss Galatians 6, uh, John 17, 20 through 26, Galatians 2, 20, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and Hebrews 5, 8. There are four supportive references, part of that filter that uh, we'll be communicating the gospel through tonight. So, so what I've done is, uh, because we're in Galatians 6, I've broken down the, uh, the, the chapter into six core concepts that pull from those supportive references. So I'm going to do the first three tonight. I'll do the four through six, maybe next week or the week after, at least before the month is out. So I'll, I'll unpack some core concepts, uh, maybe re- share some bonus truths, but really um, I want to spend most of the time tonight talking about its work application. So we're seeing the truth, seeing the scripture, seeing how the two go together. Just like I mentioned earlier about His Girl Friday really being a, a tool to help uh, bridge the the divide between sacred and secular, and encouraging vocationals everywhere to see their faith at work, at work. All right, so let's dive into Galatians 6. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You guys can read it, but just a few observations before we dive into these core concepts. Because when you read a passage of scripture, there's certain things that are bound to stand out as if you would read for the first time. Some things just uh, maybe it's a different translation has a different word choice that speaks to you. Uh, in this case, the first verse, right off the bat, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him into a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness, that's interesting. I see that word and I see meekness and I get connected to the Beatitudes right away. But gentleness, in this context, Paul's referring to not having a spirit of self-righteousness or superiority kind of already like going back and enforcing that we are co-equal in value, diverse in function. And note how gentleness is connected to the verb restore and how that goes back to 2 Corinthians 5. There's really a, kind of this portal, this warp zone between 2 Corinthians 5 and Galatians 6. 2 Corinthians 5, that's the ministry of reconciliation passage. If you go back and read that, we're ambassadors of Christ. We've been reconciled to be reconcilers. Again, we were created in love, by love, for love, and to point people in the direction of where they can find love, i.e. God. And Galatians 6 gives us another tool, another angle, another facet on how to do that. So again, we're introduced to this connection between restoration and gentleness. It ties into our identity as being co-missioners with Christ. Verse 2, how do we do this? Well, we bear one another's burdens. We don't necessarily assume responsibility as if, you know, the fault or the weight is ours, but we do what we can to come alongside our brother and help them so that the law, that Christ's love would be known. Fulfill the law of Christ, which is on the side of the cross, is a law of love. Along the way, this gets into three and five, we should not compare ourselves to others. We should not think of ourselves as better than, we should not be haughty. We should not boast in anyone but Christ, because God cannot be deceived. We should be sowing according to the Spirit, not to the flesh. I think even people who aren't saved understand this reap what you sow context in light of the golden rule. Let us do good to everyone, especially those who are the household of faith. I like what the message says, too. Um, I'm trying to find it. I think it's verse 5. Yeah, don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So that ties into the truth that authority is not power earned, 
but its intimacy entrusted, going back to the garden with Adam. And even before the creation of the earth, there was the Trinity in perfect harmony and perfect relationship with one another. Intimacy is an internal reality that predates authority and lordship. Kind of getting ahead of myself there, but it's really important to know what came first. Before there was a need for authority, at least as we know it, there was intimacy. Authority, it flows from intimacy. It's really important that we know that as the way, the order, it's not a two-way street. Okay? So that's kind of the first half of Galatians 6 in a nutshell. We're pressing along to verse 15, which is the apex, the, the, the finish line in a way, or at least the finish line for tonight. We're getting into that phrase, new creation. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. All right, so anytime I mention new creation, I want you guys to apply uh, a grid, a filter of freedom and intimacy to it. We talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Yes, he took the weight upon, he took the weight of the world upon himself. To liberate us. Galatians 2.20, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But there's a transactional element to this. He not only rescued us one time, he's rescuing us continually. When we drift off course, God never stops reconciling us. It's, again, the cross was not a one-time thing. The power of the cross is alive and well today. And then one of the overarching principles that I want to take to Galatians 6 tonight and how we talk about it uh, is the, the contrast between intimacy and independence, two diametrically opposed worldviews. We apply that to Galatians 6.15, that mention of a new creation. We find that God is delivering us, rescuing us, active tense, from worldly systems of independence that oppress people and into intimacy with Him. Not a one-time thing. This is something that's ongoing. And as we receive that, part of, a positive consequence of all that is our new creation identity is strengthened. We can become more aware. We, we abide in it. We walk in it. We're, we're trusting the Lord as He entrusts us. We begin to experience in a fresh way everything we do in life as spiritual worship, not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's Romans 12, 1 through 2. That we would be able to test and discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's part of the new creation, is that there's this transformation, there's uh, this freedom from conforming to the world and into intimacy with Him. So we're free from one thing, but we're also entering into a new place with God. It's like when we repent... We're surrendering the sin, but in place we want to receive something else, the, the opposite spirit from that sin. If we're surrendering anger, we want to receive peace and meekness. We want to receive joy of the Lord as our strength. Just to give an example. So, core concept one, the deepest reality we're made for is intimacy. While many associate intimacy to companionship, such closeness in most settings manifests as honesty and vulnerability. Those are two key words I want to hone in on tonight. As professionals, we desire work cultures where we can be safe enough 
to be vulnerable, but free enough to be honest. And this all points back to the Trinity in John 1. When you map out the timeline in Scripture, Genesis 1 was not the, the true beginning. John 1 was. So how does this look like on the clock at work? Well, no surprise, we desire real relationships with our colleagues. We desire authenticity. We, we want the real deal with anything. Who wants something fake? Who wants something counterfeit? Still, this is easier said than done because very few people know themselves, let alone God. Don't know God, you're not going to know yourself. You're not walking with God. You may drift from how you see yourself and how you see others. The right way, anyway. Even for believers, trusting God in environments where cynicism and bias and prejudice abound, it's tough sledding. The power's not oppressed, right? But this doesn't mean a culture of honesty can't be cultivated. It just means our reliance on God must manifest through countercultural discernment, wisdom, and edification. So it doesn't make any sense to worry, to stress about what is fake. In many ways, it's not our call to determine what is and what isn't. Rather, we should be so focused on pursuing excellence, not just with work, but with men. More importantly, encouragement with our cubicle neighbors. Love, you know, just going back to the fundamental commandments of Scripture, loving our neighbors. We can't separate that from loving our coworkers, our clients, people we work with. So, going back to vulnerability and transparency, that's Again, how intimacy looks at work. If I pick two words to describe what intimacy looks like at work, those are the two words I'd go with. But we can't establish foundations where they can prosper. That's God's work. Rather, we set the table for those foundations. We pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding, Romans 14, 19. Important side reference that uh, is worth reading. We submit our ways to God, and as far as it be with us, we pursue peace with all men. And a lot of this just boils down very practically on the surface level, where it's just a matter of speaking out positivity, encouraging things, speaking out life, knowing when to say something, when not to say something. Sometimes the best decisions we make during the day is not saying something, calibrating, aligning to the Spirit, aligning to God's Word about how we're to treat our fellow man. And then we come back and we can, having processed, we could speak restorative language to people. Even when mistakes are made, we could be like we could find a way to relate or even take ownership or bear burdens or, or bear the load with one another. That's how we're supposed to work. Galatians 6 2. What a great word picture to how we're supposed to work with one another. Bottom line to build relationships, especially with seekers or unbelievers, is to partner with God in extending his father heart of love, but also guide others into freedom from fear, anger, and anxiety. As we'll discuss next time in part two, if we want to offer freedom. We must first be walking in it. Can we really give something we don't have, having not received it first? Even if we talk about hypocrisy, double-mindedness, like if we're tolerating sin in our own life, but we're telling other people, hey, don't do what we're doing, essentially, what sense does that make? It's not, I mean, God is still going to be all-powerful and all-faithful, but are we not putting up some walls, some barriers, um, in the communication of the gospel message and extending it and, and showing that light that is in us. We don't want to confuse people, and that's the thing. So that's why it's really important to be walking in freedom if we want to guide people to it. It's like 
the Lord is operating and moving in me in this way. Even if you don't understand it, you know that this is good. That's something that's desirable. It's something that's ideal for your life. And here, I'm not going to put any bushels in front of this. So why not focus on love through faith and let the Spirit guide us in what to say and when to say it in the meantime, right? Core concept two, independence is unknown in the God community. The last couple of times we talked about how our identity is not a matter of becoming and self-refining, but believing and aligning. And this applies to this core concept, this point. To have a heart of flesh is to embrace intimacy. To have a heart of stone is to embrace independence. I remember as a younger professional, the idea of closeness was essentially real estate. Location, location, location. I consider where I was at and build relationships um, near the, the epicenter there with those who would receive me. Putting receive in air quotes there. There weren't many of them, very few. He has ultimately discovered this approach only fueled my skepticism and selectivity in my service. Not just in my work performance, but also in my love for my floor members, my team members. Now, I knew God had a specific intent concerning where I was at, my placement. I knew he had a point all of it, even if I couldn't see it. But I often took his intent to my own hands, not realizing that my independence was distancing me from what I crave the most, and that was intimacy. I think we do that. Our personal relationships are we're kind of reactive. Who's going to encourage me? Who is going to receive me for who I am? Who's going to at least come close to that? Who's going to be self? Who's going to be selfless to me? <laughs> and then we, uh, from there, we will define our safe places. We will kind of build upon that. And it's not to say that there's, you know, there won't be any life or fruit in those relationships, but we're already taking the wrong angle into them, if that makes sense. we got to find intimacy at the heart of God's plans and purposes for us, especially at work. And I get how easy it is to view colleagues or you know people we work with, our clients, as nothing more than people we're proximate to. But there's so much more. Like People are more than proximity people. <laughs> it's imperative we consider what intimacy looks like where we're at. If God's appointed us, for some time is this. It's not just even location. It's it's about uh, an arena, a platform, a sphere <laughs> where what God has given us can be used. In, and it's part of the harvesting. It's part of the partnering. In my experience, intimacy extended to our co-workers is evident when our desire to work with them becomes an overflow of our value for them. That's a key truth. That's worth highlighting and stirring on your heart tonight. We may not always agree with their behavior life decisions. There's probably a lot. There may be people we're really, we, we advocate, we root for, but we're just, there's more that we disagree with and agree with. That's okay. As long as we give, them, we give love room and engage them for their benefit, put ourselves last, we can enhance a culture of safety that leads to eventual vulnerability and transparency. We're, we're trying to, um, we're not manipulating our behavior to get to those points, but we certainly are keeping them in the forefront of our minds, speaking of transparency and vulnerability. Because that's the type of culture we should all want. Humility is a vehicle that helps get us there, by the way. That's a topic for another day. But the bottom line here is independence and intimacy are diametrically opposed realities. If we long to transform our work cultures, then our service must be rooted in agape love, not fear. Once we grasp this, we'll begin to see freedom spring up within arenas of influence. Our last core concept for tonight, anyway, humankind was originally given a made in God's image nature. 
When Adam chose to act independently from God, the fall of man, Adam and Eve, we all know the story. He was reduced to human nature at that point. Who said you were naked? To embrace our new creation identity, Galatians 6.15, is to die to our human nature and recover that made in God's image nature. You see, when Adam chose to be independent, he and everyone since lost that connection with the made in God's image nature. However, by having his son die on the cross, God not only saved us from our sins, but rescued us from oppressively worldly systems built on human nature. And as I mentioned earlier in this pod, put another way, Jesus not only died on the cross to provide salvation and forgiveness of sins, but also to rescue us from independence into the freedom of intimacy. When you accept the work of Jesus on the cross, that's your first step in discovering the vulnerabilities that create intimacy and the freedom that can result because Jesus didn't come to just die for you, but to live for you. He didn't come to just die one time for your sins, but to live actively, continually through you until we come to know him face to face. To our lost and lukewarm co-workers, we can't be surprised that the concept of identity, let alone intimacy, is skewed. Because left to our own devices, not only does a concept of identity become a function of performance, but performance a function of independence. That's one of the, the, you know, I talk about powers that oppress, that's one of them, performance mentality, performance thinking. As modern cultural identity issues have taught us in recent years, especially the sexual identity issues, the idea identity is about being, not doing, has gained traction. That's good. But the problem is that those notions are still based in dependence, not intimacy. And that's where people get, you know, they go awry. You know, perhaps this is why when we talk about sexual identity issues, many base their perception out of what they choose as opposed to what they receive. The concept of receiving is lost, especially in the West. It's all about what we earn, what we find by our own self-efforts. Whatever the case, though, it shouldn't surprise us to find many within our realm of reach synonymizing love to tolerance and acceptance. Back to our working environments, we may not be able to go deep with everyone to the point vulnerability is default. Nevertheless, it's important we keep those uh, all these core concepts that we've talked about tonight on our radar to know who we are, especially in Christ. We must first understand our identity isn't the sum of our accomplishments and achievements, but recognizes why they exist. Only then can we live the truth of why we believe. We live for love, having been created in love. We give for love, having first received. The concept of receiving is so vital, guys. Can't even begin to describe it. I mean, the first two commandments cannot be detached. They can't be excluded from the our identity of being able to receive of having received we have a container we are programmed we have been created and designed to have this container this way of receiving the ways of god into our life of way of seeing him ways of knowing him ways of accessing and surrendering to him and most people we encounter they're not going to understand all this right away at least but deep down they want to be free from the weight of the value. Or sorry, they want to be free of the weights of the world, the weight of value being contingent on success. They may not realize it, but they may kind of smell this funky odor that comes with performance mentality and performance thinking hierarchy, uh, abuses of authority, etc. A lot of people are aware of different powers that oppress. It's not just a Christian versus non-Christian thing. But all that in mind... 
Why not be a part in people's quest for freedom by presenting, showcasing the gospel, the good news that we have been designed for intimacy, that that could be a reality we experience together in all modes and seasons of life, including the workplace. For those who know that we've been made in God's nature, to be made in God's nature is to be made for intimacy. And as authority flows from intimacy, our doing flows from our being. As leaders, if we want to influence our team members, our colleagues, we must pour into how they are doing in addition to what they are doing. And that is going to motivate uh, their results. The results will take care of themselves when we do that thing. I know that's oversimplifying in a way, but in terms of morale, the connection between morale and goal uh, you know, achievement, going after the things that God's put in our hearts to go after, again, that's kind of another topic for another time, but when I say goals, I'm, I'm just going to assume that you've aligned those goals to the will of God. It's important that we're not lethargic or indifferent or complacent in any way to checking in on those we supervise or even those who are above us those we are subordinate to pursuing peace requires courage to open our mouths and to ask people how they're weakened once to ask people hey you know what I noticed there's this obvious health issue is everything okay is there anything I can do for you if they've made a, a prior issue known to you, following up, being, hey, how, was there any resolution here? How did the story end? Go out of your way to do that. And that is intimacy at work. You may not think of it as that. But pouring in in very basic yet p- profound ways. God is entrusting our authority. There's, there's authority entrusted in that moment. But it's being exercised in vulnerability. And it's so beautiful because it's all about others seeing Jesus. Being set free from bondage. Things that plague them. Things that maybe they are struggling with that they didn't even bring upon themselves. Freedom, even physical ailments. People being delivered uh, from diseases, a lot of different ways that God's transformation, His power can be made known. And of course, another big part of this equation is prayer, being willing to follow up in prayer in our own quiet time and then pray in person. So this bottom line that we are made in God's image is part of the made uh, God image nature. That's the new creation. The Made in God's image is the new creation that is continually being restored to us, unpacked to us, unveiled to us in different ways. How intimacy is is to look in specific situations, that's part of discovering that new creation in greater measure. So embrace the new opportunities for love right in front of you. It's one of my favorite memes um, that I included in the post. But you got this, guys. I know you do. Part of this is like, you know this. You know most of this. It's just being reminded of it and realizing that certain behaviors, certain decisions that you are making, even as we speak, seeing them or aligning them to 
our original design, what we're created to be, and, and int- intimacy. <laughs> it all points back to love. Intimacy at the core of love. All right, guys. Love the ones you're with. I believe in you, but even more importantly, God believes in you. Men like him, I love you guys. Even if it pales to that eternal agape love. So, blessings on the rest of your week. Hope you guys got something out of this, but I'll again try to get another pod cut in the next couple weeks. As I always say, I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.